Hi, how are you? I hope you're doing well. Hello, hey, Katerina, this is uh, Wei. Can you hear me okay? Yes, perfect. Okay, well, that's good. I'm trying so, a new uh, earbud. I hope it works. <laughs> yeah, they sound really good. Uh, some, okay. some are, you sound like, like some people sound with some earbuds like they are pilots. <laughs> oh, know? oh, okay. But uh, this one is not like that, <laughs> so it's perfect. Uh, we'll good. wait. Uh, we'll wait a few minutes. Uh, oh, no problem. Sounds uh, good. No problem at all. Yep. In the meantime, I'll post things on Twitter again and. Um... Oh, Twitter, right? Yeah. I uh, um, I need to check that. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm not sure if you did. Did you have your bio? Um link to like the clubhouse account link to the twitter account do would you know uh, um i might have did that but you know is, is it showing up or or not i it was a while back maybe uh, early um next year uh, last year i i was introduced to this uh app and, and in fact i have to confess this is the first time i ever well apart from the last time we checked uh, it was first time I officially uh, in a room uh, discuss uh, a, a topic. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. Before oh, we are honored that. Uh... Well, thank you for the invitation. Uh, I think it was uh, early in the pandemic. Uh, everyone's, I guess, uh, craving for some uh, social interaction. So, and and this one requires. Um, uh, be invited, right? You cannot join by yourself. Is this still the case now? No, no, they changed it. Um, oh, they changed when it. I, yeah. The same was for me. I, I started um, doing this when, um, you know, right. doing COVID. Yeah. So <laughs> right. there was not right. much else to do <laughs> right. except right. fighting like rants and, uh, and doing yeah. this. Yeah. But but it's, it's good to have people have common interests together to to interact uh, i think probably it carried it on even the covid is uh you know ease off a bit yeah so uh, uh, i agree there came an article out from wired saying that basically clubhouse is not growing as much anymore as mm, it used to but yeah. i think it's not i mean you know covid people are going right again and working and stuff but but there's right. still a lot of interesting things going on i think so oh that's cool that's cool yeah i i guess uh one of the reason i was not very um uh active in clubhouse because uh well i guess a lot of media are not uh, have a, a, a video component i being a study vision i kind of a is kind of quite a vision people so i thought just the audio is is not as uh informative or interesting but you know think about back the old days that we all just have radio to, to listen to exactly <laughs> I, yeah and yeah. since podcasts like at least for news and science and like 
book yeah. discussions. I think people like it since they are used to podcasts. I think it's... Yes, um... yes, um, absolutely. And uh, I, uh, I I listen to podcasts most of when, when I was driving. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a perfect uh, combination. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, hi, Dennis. Um, meet Dr. Wei. Hello. Hi, Dennis. <laughs> Good, good to uh, uh, meet you in Clubhouse. Pleased to meet you, Dr. Wei. Look at right now. Yep. So uh, how frequent do you have um, uh, discussions or particular topic uh, in this uh, Science Society Clubhouse? So actually, almost every day. <laughs> almost it's every day a, wow yeah hmm. it's so i started to to have like before i had like i created a club to do uh -huh. this once a week uh just you know to have a room where invites people but then it became right. kind of more popular and so on yeah. so yeah um it's like around four or five times a week right we have uh, rooms okay. cool. i think so very nice. Very it's nice, session two for today, which is cool. Oh, interesting. So there's an earlier session in the morning for the European people, I guess. Yeah, she was actually from Saudi Arabia, but she's actually moving oh. to uh, Stanford University. I see. I see. Yeah, she. it's interesting, her work. She just uh, got her PhD um, about... Um, editing epi the epigenome in mm. a in a module like in a way that you can turn it on and off she did in c elegance so oh, i thought cool. it was so interesting it was a yeah. nature methods paper very interesting nice yeah so she was she was very nervous but she did great right then <laughs> she i couldn't <laughs> tell that uh that she was too nervous though so she did great that's fantastic I think it's a good opportunity for, you know, a younger uh, scientist to uh, practice um, presenting and tell the story. I think it's a great platform. Yeah, so, yeah, we, yeah, we have sometimes the PI, sometimes the postdocs and sometimes the, the PhD student. It depends uh -huh. who one, uh -huh. like who. Sometimes, like, all the PIs don't feel comfortable or, like, on top of the social media, they don't want, so they Right, right. So, actually, we had a few, all the PIs and their students made them their Clubhouse account. It was very, very sweet. Ah. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. So shall we slowly start? I think the sure, you know sure. it will fill up in in a little bit, um, but we can start, and then um, yeah, by introducing you. So welcome everyone to the Science Society. Uh, thanks for coming, and uh, we have another very interesting evening. Uh, we are very honored to have Dr. Lee here from NIH, and let me tell you a little bit about him. Dr. Lee received his medical degree um, in 1997 from uh, 
Siyang University, I'm sorry if I say that's wrong, no, not, um, not <laughs> of medicine in China, and his PhD in neuroscience in 2003 from the University of Texas at Houston, where he studied the organization and reciprocal feedback synapse at the axon terminal of the retinal bipolar cell. And this was in Dr. Stephen Messer's laboratory. And from 2003 to 2007, he was a postdoc in Dr. Stevens de Vries at Northwestern University. And there he investigated synaptic connections between photoreceptors and bipolar neurons in mammalian retina. And Dr. Lee joined um, NEI as the principal investigator of the unit on retinal neurophysiology in 2007. And his a unit uses a variety of physiological and anatomical techniques to explore retinal synapses and secrets and their functions in vision. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for com coming, Dr. Lee, and um, we're very honored to having you and um, to have you talk about this really cool um, uh, research topic of yours that you published recently. So. The stage is yours. Thank you, Katerina, for the invitation and uh, kind introduction. Uh, it's it's a great honor to be on the Clubhouse uh, platform, first time for me. Um, and uh, I I'm very much look forward to uh, uh, discuss this uh, topic with you all. So uh, we recently uh, uh, completed a study uh, in which we uh, look into the uh, function of mitochondria in, in photoreceptor. Um, uh, so I'll give you a little bit of background on how, how this uh, project come about. So as we all know that the, the vertebrae eye is, is very um, a complex, complex structure and, and has been uh, always at uh, uh, a debate of um, uh, evolution and uh, uh, as early as uh, it, the the uh, the book of uh, 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 Darwin that we, in which he said something uh, like um, you know the eye could have been formed by natural selection seem I quote I freely confess absurd in the highest degree that's that's what Darwin said in his uh, book. And of course, he went on to explain how this is uh, uh, possible through uh, uh, stepwise evolution. But this is often being quoted by you know people, uh, uh, cre creationist, as evidence of divine such uh, you know uh, complex, uh, precise machine, if you will. Uh, how could it be uh, as a result of evolution? Must have been a very um, fine uh, design uh, but you know evolution biologists don't don't view that way the eye uh, and, and the retina as well there are a lot of uh, uh, features they think it's imperfect and 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 I, I will quote another uh, evolution biologist uh, Francis Ayala in in his book uh, Darwin's gift to science and religion in which he he quoted that uh, the, again, the eye, that the optic nerve, for instance, form 
from inside of eye cavity and then created a blind spot as it across the retina. And he said, you know, such in perfection is sometime outright dysfunctional. So um, I, I think certainly there are examples of such, but perhaps the uh, evolution biologists admit too quickly that uh, those structural features are defects. Um, the retina features uh, in the vertebrae retina in particular, uh, you probably all know, that it's kind of inverted. And, and what, what it means is that uh, the light has to go through all the layers of retina before it can reach the photoreceptor, the, the sensory neuron to be absorbed and turned into uh, chemical and electrical electrophysical uh, signal. So, um, and that that's, uh, again, uh, uh, one of those feature that is some of people thinking that's that's disadvantage. Um, um, and more importantly, um, right before the, the the photon or light can reach the um, the part of photoreceptor that detecting light, it's called outer segment. And right before that, there's this inner segment that houses a lot of mitochondria and it's just packed in the space. So why would that be reasonable design or evolution, if you will? Um, because there will be a, a last huddle, if you will, for the light to reach the outer segment. Why would you wanna pack mitochondria there, right? If you think about it, uh, I'm sure a lot of you know about uh, uh, retina in, in the human retina that they have this fovea structure, right? There's a fovea pit where um, all the retina tissue sort of got pushed away so that you can have a clear light pass to reach the photoreceptor, right? So why would you want it to have this large amount of mitochondria sits right in front of the uh, uh, detector? Now, mitochondria, as we all know, has a lot of membranes. There's uh, Christy in, in, in the mitochondria and membrane contains a lot of lipids. So they have higher reflective index. So you, you could imagine with all the layers of membrane, it could possibly bouncing the photon uh, around as light pass through. So it could be detrimental to the uh, delivery of light to the uh, outer segment for reception. So this is, uh, from the first glance, quite uh, counterintuitive. Now, people looking at this uh, in the past, uh, structure-wise, uh, basically a section of a yen, for instance, they, they would think perhaps they might have an optical rule because those mitochondria is a bit unique. They don't, um, kind of a form a whole mass, even though it's very dense, uh, they packed in a quite orderly way that the, 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 those mitochondria are uh, cylinder like skinny ones and, and they, they're pretty much parallel to each other. So you could imagine it's almost like a, a bundle, a spaghetti bundle. So people in the past has been thinking perhaps they have an optical role. Now the problem is it's very difficult to, uh, to um, uh, observe or prove or disprove that experimentally because you can imagine it would entail to isolate this particular layer and and then shine the light through and see uh, how how does it impact the light. 
right? So that's very difficult to do. Um, retina is a very thin tissue. And then if you use the whole retina, then there's other component uh, could be contribute to the, to the um, uh, whatever effect to uh, photon passage. So, and therefore it, it, it at the best is a speculation. So we uh, decide to look into that um, mostly because we have uh, been working on an animal called ground squirrel. Um, and it's a very unique um, small mammal. It's not the uh, squirrels that you frequently see that climbing the trees. Um, uh, the ground squirrel usually is underground. They are, um, not, oh, sorry, diurnal animal. They they at nighttime they they'll just uh, uh, retrieve to the to the to the uh, barrel under the ground, uh, but they are uh, being diurnal. They have unique retina. They have overall about eighty percent photoreceptor are cones. Now the the mitochondria in cones are more abundant than in rods. So in order to to study their uh, potentially optical uh, effect or impact we wanted to uh, use uh, this cone dominant retina which is a, a, a great advantage because um, you know mouse they have more than 95 percent photoreceptor being rods and they're skinny small and it's very difficult to image and where a ground squirrel has this uh, uh, cone rich retina that uh, it's uh, very easy to um, identify and, and and work with so what we did, which is quite uh, unique, is we took a piece of ground squirrel retina and we kind of sectioned it horizontally. So we cut off the other part of the retina because as I mentioned, light normally go through all the other layers to reach the uh, photoreceptor. So we just wanted to see that particular part of a photoreceptor. How does that impact light? So we slice it through horizontally to get rid of the rest of the retina. Um, and to, to our delight, and we were able to basically get a single layer of um, a photoreceptor component that only contains mitochondria. So literally we have a preparation that um, has um, a mitochondria bundle in the photoreceptor is concealed in, in a photoreceptor cell membrane. So this is um, the best you could uh, um, imagine. So we're, we're lucky in that. Uh, part of the reason is that uh, the component of the uh, photoreceptor that housing those mitochondria and its junction to the uh, nuclear of photoreceptor is very uh, narrow. Uh, so when you slice, the, the force uh, could easily stress it and, and break it and then the membrane could reseal. Uh, so with that at hand, we, uh, John, when I say we, I mean, John Ball, and he's a staff scientist in my lab, very capable. So he modified a confocal microscope, taking away all the condenser and parts from the bottom, and but put in a light source and columnated and, and with a dichroical mirror so he can uh, shoot light through the uh, stage and across that layer of uh, uh, mitochondria from from the ground squirrel retina. And, and, and this preparation allows us to image transmitted light, which it comes through from one end and to the other. 
and the fluorescent signal that reflecting from the retina because we uh, we label the mitochondria with a fluorescent dye so that we can see where the mitochondria is and 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 by doing so uh, we can you know image just like people normally do to count focal imaging uh, in in z dimension they image many layers and then you can reconstruct uh, reconstruct it in in uh, z dimension that's what we do what we observe very interestingly or surprisingly the first time that we saw was really uh, amazed that when you have diffused the light once it passed through the mitochondria structure it become very much concentrated and if you look at the image it's almost like you turn on the fresh light or lightsaber if you will it's just it's just coming out of the inner segment that that the exit part of this mitochondria bundle and become very concentrated and then we analyze this concentrated light and it fits quite well in the structure of the uh, outer segment where um, you know very layered many layers of a disc uh, uh, filled with uh, options that absorb uh, light photon so that you know uh, is a very direct visual uh, uh, proof or evidence that these mitochondria are uh, uh, concentrating the light towards or deliver the light towards the outer segment but there is one caveat though so, um, we cannot be 100 percent sure this optical effect is due to those mitochondria bundle because the photoreceptor cell membrane is still there and and one could argue that perhaps it's all due to this photoreceptor membrane because um, they also have higher refractive index they could cause internal refraction and acting almost like a waveguide and deliver the photon towards the other side so then what we wanted to do is in a, in a condition where the mitochondria structure changed and then we could absorb uh, you know focusing effect change accordingly so this is not easy to do and how do you go about modify the mitochondria structure right so what happened is um, this animal model that we use ground scroll uh, it, it just so happened they also have another very unique uh, to me super interesting uh, biological feature and that is they will hibernate in the winter time and they will you know stop eating and drinking about in november or so and uh, bury themselves underground um, and their body temperature drops to uh, four or five celsius and they will um, stay in hibernation for four or five months um, so this is a you know fascinating biological phenomena and we in my lab spend about half of the time study the adaptation of hibernation so what we observe is that um, those uh, mitochondria in the ground squirrel photoreceptor their structure actually change quite drastically uh, during hibernation and we uh, obtained uh, 3d reconstruction uh, uh, of mitochondria in photoreceptor through uh, a technique called uh, uh, block face scanning EM, where you can have a, a stack of layer of a EM picture, and we have student tracing each individual mitochondria across the stack and uh, acquire a 3D reconstruction. What we notice is instead of having 
spaghetti bundle, um, like in when the animal are awake. In the hibernating animal, we saw those uh, alignment um, um, uh, uh, kind of uh, messed up. They are uh, more intertwined rather than in parallel with each other. So this uh, structure change, and there's also some change in the in the length overall length of mitochondrial bundle. So this um, gave us an opportunity to use this structural change and to um, assess whether it can bring also a functional change, uh, meaning that it, it could impact the, uh, the focusing uh, uh, effect that I've seen. So John did the experiment in the uh, winter time when the animal hibernating, we took the retina, do the same experiment. And lo and behold, indeed, we can see significant change in focusing. Okay, so this uh, is a very good uh, evidence, but still not causal, right? We're established association here. Um, and, and this uh, difference, although significant, still um, uh, subtle you know, because the mitochondrial structure is still there. Um, it's not like a, a completely gone. What we really wanted to know is if the mitochondria is not there, um, what will, will happen to the light passage, right? So that is really difficult to achieve uh, experimentally. So so for that, John uh, turned to uh, uh, computational modeling. Um, so uh, what, what he did is he modeled the light as a uh, monochromatic uh, uh, a wave and 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 we have the structure right so we could use the structure the precise structure from the photoreceptor mitochondrial bundle and then we just let the wave pass through this structure and he calculate at each point the energy uh, distribution as the light uh, um, uh, wave uh, pass through and then uh, once he did that, you can see the light path, the wave path through the structure and it become, um, again, very much concentrated. The energy is concentrated uh, um, and just like what we observe uh, experimentally. So indeed, um, this, um, this uh, modeling also give us a very similar uh, result. Now, with modeling, we can do a lot. We can take the mitochondria away and we can, uh, you know, have only the mitochondria there. And so when we when we do all those exercises, our conclusion is it's the mitochondria uh, play a major role. Um, the cell membrane contribute a bit, um, and without the mitochondria, cell membrane is still able to focus a little bit of light, but the focal length will be longer, much longer, such that majority of a photon will pass the outer segment. So mitochondria indeed uh, is a, a critical part of this um, light delivery mechanism. So in, in a nutshell, that they're acting like a little lens or micro lens that focusing the light uh, as they pass through the inner segment, focusing to the outer segment where the pho photoreception happens. So that's the first half of the story. And basically we say, hey, those mitochondrial bundle actually like a little lens in your photoreceptor. But once we realized that, we um, uh, had, had an idea that this indicates that if a light beam coming in at angle that is not aligned with the photoreceptor, and because of this lens feature, uh, a lot of the light will 
um, just go along the axis and miss the outer segment. Therefore, a light coming at a different angle, the amount of photon that can be delivered to the outer segment for reception will be uh, quite significantly reduced. Okay, so this is an angular dependence of light delivery, if you will. And that reminds us of this famous Stiles-Crawford effect that discovered in the 30s by uh, two British scientists when they studied the light effect uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a street light and traffic light and so on and so forth. So what we found, what they found is very interesting that the same light coming from the center of your pupil and reach your retina uh, will be viewed to be much brighter than the same light coming from the edge of the pupil and reach the same part of retina, but uh, coming at the angle, as you could imagine. So and this angular dependence of light perception is termed Stiles-Crawford effect, and there is a particular uh, relationship. And what we found is uh, the this lens effect of mitochondrial bundle in the photoreceptor, which has a angular dependence for light delivery. The, the, the spatial relationship actually matches quite well with the Stiles-Crawford effect, which is a psychophysical effect that, that you could measure. So we, we did the model to prove that, and we also had the experimental data to, to confirm that, um, because when we slice the retina, it's inevitable, inevitably some of the photoreceptor will not be perfectly aligned anymore, right? So we could calculate their um, axes and then and their angle with the light that coming in and calculate the amount of photon that will be delivered to the other segment. So both the experimental measurements and the modeling suggest that this lens effect can possibly account for this uh, Stiles-Crawford effect, the angular dependence of light uh, perception. So this is the second part of the story. What we think we identified a very plausible mechanism for this um, almost 100 years old uh, uh, psychophysical phenomenon, the uh, mechanism of which has always been challenging to explain. So um, now this, uh, the second sort of a, a uh, uh, understanding is quite uh, interesting and useful because, um, as I mentioned, Stiles-Crawford effect you can measure in patients quite easily. And what what our insight that this measurement could be directly linked to the mitochondria in their structure, indicating that this measurement could potentially be used for a diagnosis tool because many of the retina uh, disease uh, such as uh, retinal pigmentosa and AMD, uh, uh, age-related macular degeneration, they all involve photoreceptor degeneration and they all involve metabolic stress that could lead to structure change of the mitochondria. So um, this, this direct link of the psychophysical uh, measurement to a, a cellular structure and can, can be exploited to use for uh, potential diagnosis. And in fact, back in the 80s, there has been a study showing they measured the patients, uh, RP, retinal pigment, pigmentosa patients, uh, of their style crossfit effect and shown that they have changed even their uh, visual acuity is still quite good. 
Uh, of course, at the time they have no insight of why this is uh, the case, and now we have a very good uh, sort of a mechanistic um, uh, explanation for that. So this is uh, the 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 main result that I can share with you. Um, uh, I would take the last bit of a time to highlight the significance of the work. Well, first of all, uh, you know, we all know mitochondria is a um, uh, cell organelle for mostly generating uh, energy. Uh, it's like a powerhouse in a cell. And uh, recent years, and of course, there are a lot of work on how they participate in uh, intracellular signaling. But in our case, uh, this the spinal mitochondria are uh, pretty much used um, in a very different way, um, uh, uh, almost unrelevant to to their kind of a, a, a main job, right? So it's almost they have a sidekick of being a, a little lens in the photoreceptors. That, that that explains why they would concentrate it in that peculiar position, right? And most of the cell mitochondria just squally around the nuclei. So that's that's one thing. In, in my view, this is a good example of uh, um, a, a, an organelle can have very different function, and this is similar to the to the concept of gene sharing, if you will, in in the developmental biology and in the evolution biology. That uh, the same protein can be used for different very different functions. So. Um, this this is one interesting. Now the second point I, I would I would say is that we all know that vertebrate eyes we you know think about vertebrate eye as a single lens uh, camera type of eyes, whereas in, in contrast the uh, uh, um, insects uh, for instance has compound eyes where they have a lot of photoreceptors and each of them often have their own optical component a little lens. Um, so single lens camera type cam uh, eye versus compound eyes, individual photoreceptor, individual lens. But what we found is, in fact, invertebrate retina, the photoreceptor, also has their own private little micro lens. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of a bridge the very two um, uh, uh, distant evolution uh, 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 outcome in, in reflecting the uh, uh, convergent uh, evolution, if you will, um, and then and then the the the, the third significant, I guess, is the uh, uh, potential explanation of this um, uh, almost a hundred years old uh, uh, psychophysical phenomena, and that we think this uh, mitochondrial lens feature could uh, be a major contribution to to that uh, Stiles Crawford effect. Um, so I guess I will pause he here and. Uh, be happy to take any questions and be happy to discuss uh, if, if the audience has any thoughts um, come about. Thank you. Fascinating work. Um, I've done some work with Rhodopsin, and that's, that's, of course, dark vision. And mm -hmm. I was always curious about the cones. This is, uh, and, you know, this is um, a really interesting outcome. I, 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 I was aware that the options in cones weren't not weren't uh, nearly as sensitive well, by mm -hmm. maybe two orders of magnitude, but I I mean is it does this microlensing effect somehow compensate for that? Well, compensate for that. Um, 
Yes, uh, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. The rhodopsin and coopsin, they're very different features and uh, the, 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 they're suited for uh, uh, different uh, roles of rods and cones in, in night vision versus daylight vision and rhodopsin and the whole rod system being super sensitive um, and down to the point they can detect single photon and however they saturate fairly quickly. So, you know, you walk out of a dark theater, you've got kind of a temporary blind for a bit. Um, and then the uh, cone option is less uh, uh, sensitive, but they're, they're very fast in, in kinetics. And they also has uh, uh, um, color tuning, different spectral waves for color vision. Um, uh, and, uh, uh, but uh, overall, you still wanted to efficiently deliver photon to, um, to the uh, outer segment for uh, reception. And that's one thing. And second, um, it's more of a challenging for cones than rods because, as you probably know, the rods are called rods because they, they their shape is like a rod, slender. Um, but uh, cones, uh, they are um, a bit fatter. Um, and then the inner segment where the mitochondria sits um, has a much uh, bigger diameter than the outer segment. So there's a mismatch, and you you have to. Uh, you know, in in an optical world, it's, mm -hmm. it's it's a mold change, um, and and therefore it, you you require some sort of mechanism to deliver the uh, lights uh, from a larger diameter structure to a smaller one. So this uh, mechanism suited quite well, whereas uh, a, a a slender structure like a rod, and the uh, the the wave guiding feature that I mentioned earlier, uh, it could perhaps play a more significant role. And in fact, um, that probably explains why Stiles Crawford effect is very, very weak for rods. So if you were to do that in a, mm -hmm. in a dim condition, it's very weak, uh, almost to none. But uh, uh, most significantly in the paraphobia region where those cones are just fat, um, uh, like what we see in the uh, ground squirrel cones. So. Yeah, thanks for uh, brought up the difference between rods and cones. And, and, and curious on the computational modeling, was that um, what level of there was that finite uh, difference time domain? Yes, exactly. That's the FDTD. Um, uh huh. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Um, did, how did you get the uh, like the dielectric tensor of the of the? I mean, how was that approximated for the mitochondria? Do you know? Uh, so we just took the. Um, exact mitochondria structure and mm -hmm. we um, estimated the um, reflective index um, and then uh, um, that's what we did um, I, I had to admit mm -hmm. these are all mostly john's work uh, who is an engineer by training so this okay. is uh, exactly what he likes to do in a and, and I can tell you, in reality, this is a bit of a data we acquired first. <laughs> so we, we re reconstructed. Can they make sure? So um, also the um, so with the directionality effect, mm -hmm. um, it's actually the case that what you're looking at is brighter, right? Uh, so the. Um, psychophysical uh, uh, effect, it, 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 that's exactly what it is. So the, the, the device will deliver light to um, 
to a patient or subject's uh, uh, particular part of the retina um, and, and either from the center of a fovea, uh, I'm sorry, center of a pupil or from the edge of pupil then got uh, uh, focused by the big lens towards the same retina. Yeah, the one from the center will, 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 will uh, uh, be perceived as brighter. So that's but that's then, what... but this but these results bring it less psycho and more physical. I mean, the actual primary yes. signal exactly. is actually so, brighter. Yes, exactly. So, in what we show is that um, we could we could provide uh, uh, explanation uh, in which that uh, the physical delivery of photon will be less uh, when you have an angle coming in. That's exactly right. In fact, in the I don't know if I, I, I kind of forgot whether we plotted, we plot the uh, psychophysics measurement, the uh, the optical measurement of photon delivery, which we did. And we even plot another paper back in the 70s, uh, Dennis Baylor, uh, who is a giant in the vision uh, a research who just passed away a couple of days ago, unfortunately. And he um, electrical physiologically measured the uh, turtle cone uh, light response and uh, showing this angular dependence. So we plot three type of a curve, right? Your psychophysical measurement, light delivery, photoreceptor response, and they all match quite well. That really mm -hmm. indicates some physical constraints underneath the, the whole uh, phenomena. So it's a very satisfactory result. Excellent work. Thank you. Uh, I want to, um, yeah, go ahead, Tuan. Uh, okay, thanks, Katarina. Uh, thanks, Dr. Uh, Lee, for a uh, very interesting uh, talk. It was uh, like, you know, listening to a, a very exciting story, actually. Thank uh, you. Uh, I, I have uh, some questions. I hope I didn't miss anything. Um, so you can... First, can you explain, like, um, you know, you wrote uh, in your abstract that uh, uh, evolution endeavors to maximize the function of biological structures. Uh, could you explain, you know, uh, what you mean precisely by maximizing here? And, and also, I think I, uh, there's a related question to that. And that is, uh, so you short up, you know, you know, uh, your work sort of uh, explain, uh, you know, a certain idea, uh, you know, about the structures of, of vision. Um, mm -hmm. But but like, uh, is it is the, is it the best structure possible, uh, you know, for the test? Uh, you know, in in other words, you know, uh, uh, now that you have you know, now that you have acquired a, 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 an understanding of the mechanism, would you mm -hmm. say that is the best possible design, mm -hmm. uh, which, which I guess will mean that, you know, it should be seen across all different, uh, you know, organisms and animals and, and every, everything, right? So, uh, right. thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So, first of all, uh, let me admit, I'm not an evolution biologist, so I, um, 
say things my understanding of that uh, evolution uh, biology so that could could be uh, not very accurate so uh, forgive me for that so i guess what i what i um uh, stated in the paper is that um uh, e- e- evolution is a kind of a stepwise process um if i understand correctly so you 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 you, you basically um uh, take what's there and, uh, um, and make a best of it, or or the selection is such that uh, whatever works uh, got survived, right, and, and uh, passed on. So um, in, in this case, uh, you have those uh, mitochondria in in your cell, and you have a lot of that. And and perhaps the reason is because just photoreceptive. It use a lot of energy for photoreception, synapse transmission, and all that. So, and then also you clearly has has a, a advantage if you could uh, somehow uh, um, through a, a, a kind of a lens effect to focus the photon uh, more precisely toward the outer segment. So, I guess uh, the by uh, perhaps random process of uh, evolution that uh, gradually this this feature got selected that. Uh, the uh, mitochondria, the more concentrated in that particular area, um, give you the best vision, give you the best um, uh, sensitivity, such that uh, they have a, a, a slight uh, survival um, advantage. So that's that's my very naive understanding of of that. Now, looking back uh, across different animals, uh, mitochondria in, in, for, for vertebrate uh, retina. Just about every species has this mitochondria in the uh, uh, this particular area that right before the outer segment, and and they can come uh, uh, with different uh, shape and form. Some uh, just uh, outright as a gigantic single mitochondria. For instance, the tertiary retina has this very unique uh, cone mitochondria, just of one giant uh, ones, and they work quite well as well for focusing, at least according to our modeling result. Now, if you're looking back to the other um, animals, uh, for instance, um, like birds uh, uh, and turtles, for instance, they have a structure called oil droplet in a similar region where the mitochondria is in the um, uh, vertebrate retina. Now, oil droplet, obviously, it's an optical uh, component, right? And, and they have some rule of focusing, but their major rule is actually um, a color filter. Uh, you, you can take a turtle retina, it's just beautiful. You can look at it under a microscope. Uh, um, but what's interesting is that uh, it indicates that there, there's some, some uh, evolutionary pressures, so to speak, that have some uh, structure that was a uh, higher reflective index in this area. Now, then you might ask, oh, well, why why are your droplet not kept in in, in the uh, vertebrate evolution? Uh, and in fact, in the early early ones, for for instance, in the early um, mammals, uh, some of the marsupials they do have a uh, oil droplet, uh, but other mammals they apparently lost that oil droplet. I I don't know exactly what uh, pressure. Uh, cause the disappearance of uh, oil droplet instead of mitochondria taking over. But I, I would offer a very interesting um, uh, phenomena or from a recent paper that people have found in, in one type of bird called 
uh, flycatcher, and and as you can imagine, they probably has pretty good vision because they catch flies. In uh, some of the uh, uh, flycatcher photoreceptor, they because um, they're birds, they have eye droplet, but they have this bundle of mitochondria or giant mitochondria. In fact, um, that taking over that particular uh, position, and they dissipates or push away those oil droplets. And so the, those oil droplets become little ones that surrounding this giant mitochondria. So I'm speculating here. I certainly don't have uh, solid uh, data to, to support, but my thinking is perhaps in, in, in the question that you just posed it, that uh, which is the best, right? So perhaps mitochondria has its advantage over oil droplet. In, in its function to focusing light. And therefore, when it's needed, it push away the oil droplet, break them into small ones, circle around, still can function as color filter, I suppose. Um, but uh, mitochondria is taking over as, as, a, as a focusing rule. Um, in, in fact, there's some work in the uh, oil droplet paper trying to link it to the uh, Stiles-Crawford effect. And, and again, the, the, the experimental was, uh, the result was not there. There's no experimental result, I think. Uh, but the modeling just about to show some angular dependence, but far from what, what uh, people have seen in uh, Stiles-Crawford effect. So perhaps reflecting the, uh, uh, the difference between that and mitochondria. So the long-winded, uh, answer is to say that we do not know exactly, but I speculate the mitochondria is a better, uh, uh, more suited uh, uh, structure to to play this role. Yeah, thank thank you for the answer. Uh, very interesting. Uh, just a, a quick follow up. Like, mm -hmm. so when you do modeling, how did you check if you can trust your modeling? Uh, you know, and by that I mean, you know. Uh, 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 how did you take into account uh, systematic effect uh, that you have in your modeling? And actually, you know, how could like the more essential question is uh, how did how how did you decide to just whether or not to just the modeling? Uh, oh, uh, uh, if I understand the question correctly, you're saying why don't we just do modeling, not the experiment? No, or? no. So you, you know, you did the, the you know, uh, so uh, you couldn't perform the experiment where you needed to check, you know, uh, uh, how, uh, you know, uh, light interact uh, with uh, a part of the, uh, you know, with some part of the, uh, of the eye, right? And so you actually carry out a, a computer modeling where uh -huh. you, you use a uh, lightweight, you know, uh, lightweight, and then you do calculation, right? Uh, you know, and so how did you, how could you just, you know, that process, uh, you know, because that is a purely physical process. So how uh -huh. could you, how, 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 how did you decide that, you know, you could just, you know, that modeling and apply it to the, to, you know, the, um, uh, you know, apply it to the, you know, to the, the, the paper. Okay. So if I understand correctly, you're saying, you're asking why we do the, uh, 
modeling of light as an electromagnetic wave rather than uh, more direct light uh, optical modeling. Is that what you're asking? Uh, I... No, I, I mean, I asked uh, uh, how could you judge you know, your modeling? Like you did the modeling and you de decided that uh, you accept the modeling you know, and you oh, uh, decided okay. to use the result in the paper. But like, how you. did you? How could you yes. decide that it was correct? You know. Okay, got that it. You could so it. I, yes, yes. So um, I guess, uh, as I explained before, uh, what we wanted to know is whether uh, how the light passage or optical effect will be if the mitochondria uh, were not there, right? So, and that we cannot achieve uh, uh, experimentally because you cannot have. Uh, 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 just empty membrane without mitochondria. That's that's. Uh, I have not get my head around this question. Uh, um, and so what give us confidence is when we have this modeling result with the uh, cell membrane and mitochondria, the result is uh, very much similar to the experimental result. So with the intact membrane and mitochondria, we see very similar result from the modeling. Uh, uh, compared to the experiment, so that that give us confidence. With that, we then separate the uh, component apart with the membrane alone and and mitochondria alone to see how how um, those two components individually uh, play a role in this uh, effect. I see. I see. I see. Uh, okay. So that's that's what. what yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. I see. Hi, uh, this is uh, uh, thanks, uh, Dr. Lee. Very interesting uh, work. Uh, Thank you. It's, uh, I, I'm always uh, yeah, fascinated by how you know light uh, works, uh, the vision and the granular. So I just uh, had mm -hmm. a, a basic questions on the ordering of the uh, the, the signal uh, transmission. So the light comes in first, you know, mm -hmm. come you know, encounter. So in a sequence, there should be uh, some. There's uh, uh, those layers you cut away, the, those uh, are functional as well, right? So then they, they might be uh, participating. And then the my, my, mitochondria is very interesting uh, hypothesis that a uh, theory that uh, you are proving uh, very interesting. Mm -hmm. So the uh, is the mitochondria the size of the mitochondria before the cone, before the uh, rhodopsins? Are, are they like how big and are they moving? Uh, or uh, are they like uh, what in my mind? I just have you know a cartoon picture of uh, from cell biology mm -hmm. that my mitochondria like little uh, uh, bacteria like moving yeah. about right. in, in the cell. Right. So are are they fixed or are they uh, in the in vivo situation? Just uh, uh, yeah, just a so, basic uh, uh, setup questions. Yeah. Right. So uh, let me start with your first one. You're, you're asking a very good question, uh, whether the other that we cut it away contribute to some of the light effect. So in fact, uh, people have been studying this for quite uh, some time. There are uh, some interesting observations. For instance, um, this German group, um, uh, that uh, discovered and had the theory of how, you know, Mueller cell in the retina, these are the uh, 
kind of a radioglial cell that across the whole whole, whole retina vertically. Um, Mueller cell they think are uh, acting as uh, um, uh, almost like an optical fiber that delivers light across the retina to cone photoreceptors. So they start, they did that in, in guinea pig retina, um, and they um, uh, this is a fairly well established theory. Um, then there's recent work from uh, another group showing that uh, uh, nuclear of the uh, rod photoreceptor, particularly from animals of nocturnal animals that use the uh, 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 rod system more at night, that their nuclear, the chromatin structure of their nuclear is very unique. Normally, the, you know, the euchromatin is in the peripheral of nuclear. You can see those uh, if you stain it uh, with DAPI or uh, what have you for a cell. But the, those rods from the nocturnal animal, their nuclear has a chromatin uh, a structure very condensed in the center. Um, and then the, those rod nuclear on top of each other because there's many layers of those cells and and they show that this could have a optical effect uh, uh, again collecting more photons and deliver towards the um, outer segment but I would like to point out importantly that Mueller cell stops right at the jun junction that I mentioned that, that causing the break between the inner segment and nuclear because it's very uh, uh, um, narrow and and the middle cell uh, process is stopped there so whatever mechanism they have it, it, it's still a distance away from the uh, uh, final destination where the uh, outer segment is right and nuclear the same and and they might have an optical rule but still past nuclear you still have to go through this bundle of mitochondria before you can reach so if anything i'll say what we are observing or or, or looking at is the most critical final uh, step. So no matter uh, what happens to the light, and this is what you know you need to pass before you can get to the other thing. Okay, so um, our our work does not exclude any of the you know other structures participating, but this is the very final step. So that's to your to your first question. And the second one about the structure and the dynamics of uh, mitochondria, I, 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 uh, I, I imagine you are thinking of uh, uh, mitochondria in, say, fibroblasts. That they are very dynamic. They are fission and fusion, and they're like a little uh, warm swally swimming around the nuclei. Um, and then, uh, in the photoreceptor, uh, those mitochondria. Um, Although their dynamics has not been studied very well, we actually had some interest in the past, but we haven't carried out. Uh, but uh, my speculation is they are fairly stable. Um, the structure is um, less random, but uh, as I mentioned, they're, they're elongated and then they kind of apparently align them to each other. They're about oh, 100 to 100. 50 nanometers in, in, in diameter, but much longer, almost to, uh, I'll say, five uh, um, microns in, in, in length. So they're really skinny, long, like, as I said, a bundle of uh, spaghetti. Um, yeah, my, my speculation will be that they're, they're less dynamic than normal cells or culture cells that you will see. 
I hope I answered your question. Thank you. Dr. So, so far, oh, okay. Just, I just thank you so much. Yeah, just yeah quick, I saw you just, on my computer. Just quickly, the so so at this point, the um, uh, your uh, on, uh, these uh, mitochondria in your conjecture only serve as a passive uh, optical functions, right? No uh, nerve, no no signal uh, in the thing with the. Well, they they right. they still do um, the what they the what mitochondria do the best, uh, generating ATP supply the uh, the mighty machinery of photoreception, um, and uh, I think they also probably has some signaling. And and uh, another part of lab is interested in metabolism, so um, some of the uh, metabolic uh, activities could potentially generating a signaling molecule talking to the nuclear signal, uh, even regulating, you know, potentially uh, genetic modification or regulation. So, so what, what, whatever mitochondria do in other cells, they probably are still doing that in photoreceptor. But uh, in addition, on top of that, they also um, take on this um, extra uh, uh, job, if you will. Interesting. Thank you. Okay, go ahead. Thank you so much, Vail. That was very interesting. Thank you. I mean, subject. And my question is about one of the figures that we have uh, on a paper, yep. actually figure number six, part A, and it's just talking about the concentration by cone mitochondria along the axis of the light incidence. So I see two different angles, and I was just wondering what parameters uh, make a difference, for example, between 0.5 and 7 degree differences. And after that, I was just wondering if we have an enhancement for the mi mitochondrial function, does it make a differences or not through this angle axis um, ch chosen somehow? So you are, uh, let me pull the paper out to the figure, figure 6a that you mentioned. Um, okay, so yeah, so these are, um, these are the experimental results. So we look at the, uh, we calculate the mitochondria angle and then uh, uh, and plot it against uh, uh, how much of a photons will be in the presumptive outer segment. Your question is, uh, how does this different angle uh, impact the, my my? Yeah, is there any parameters? Because we just you just talk about the chromatin. Oh, I mean concentration. I suppose. I mean, I was just wondering what parameters might make a differences between these two angles. Oh, um, the, the first question. So the first question. So what what makes a difference? Yeah, this is actually um, a pure physical. So. The angle is calculated by, for each layer of the image, we identify the center of the, the mitochondria bundle. And therefore, when you co connect those dots, you will have a line that indicates where, what the bundle of mitochondria uh, orientation is. And then, of course, we have the light passage. And then we can, um, the uh, uh, calculate how much of a photon will be in the outer segment. Although, you know, physically they're not there, we can 
uh, estimate or calculate where the outer segment is and how much photon will be there. So this is uh, how this is, um, uh, the difference is literally just the, the amount of light physically in that location will be decreased when when you come at the angle, for instance, uh, seven degree versus 0.5 degree. So we're only considering the physical amount of photon in a particular location. We're not uh, um, talking about any other functions. Uh, I don't know if that- yes. you, you might respond to my second question, but the second question, uh -huh. I mean, I just assume that it, it's not random actually, or it's not physical. And for example, when we have enhancement in one of the complexes in mitochondria, oh, yeah. there might be differences between the angles. Right. You actually denied the second right. question. Right, that, that I, I'm not quite sure there's any, um, um, uh, so the light could it, it impact the mitochondria structure. Um, that I do not know. And I, I would imagine it's, it's uh, perhaps not at this time scale of uh, 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 dynamics or changes. Uh, as, I, as I mentioned, they, they tend to be quite stable. Uh, now, the, 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 the structural change that we observed during hibernation, that's a fairly long uh, um, um, process. It, it takes perhaps um, you know, days and weeks and even months to, to um, uh, achieve that because they have this long um, uh, hibernation bile. Um, I'm not quite sure acute light treatment could uh, lead to some mitochondria change. Now, there are uh, uh, molecules, of course, in the mitochondria can absorb light, uh, uh, cytochrome C and other, other mitochondria proteins certainly can. Um, whether it impact its structure that we have not explored. Exactly. Great work. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for this talk. I wanted to ask, have you observed a metamaterial phenomenon in uh, some of the optical behavior? And uh, second question, if this is happening in the lenses of our bodies, is there a possibility that other places in the body, mitochondria are playing a similar role? Um, could, could you explain a bit uh, on, on the first question, the metamaterial part? Well, um, I'm unfamiliar with your work, but I think it's amazing. And I looked up some images, uh -huh. and I think I came across a study with a shrew, which was the nocturnal yeah. oh, no, the, uh, variety. And I noticed uh, uh, shrew. Diana? Oh, okay. You, you, different type of shrew. I, I, I don't know which one you're talking about, the tree shrew or true yes. shrew. <laughs> I got confused there. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so tree shrew are uh, diurnal. Uh, they have even more cones than ground squirrel. And are you looking at those giant mitochondria from Trishu? Because those are easily searchable. <laughs> that might have been yeah. it. Um, yeah. mostly, what I, mostly what I was curious about is the, uh, uh, so the mitochondria kind of self-assemble into uh, a structure mm. that's reinforced mm. by their respective positions. Mm. And it looks like that forms maybe some kind of metamaterial. Mm which is like a wave. Ah, yeah, so the, the you, uh, yeah, I, I think I 
I, I, I perhaps know what you're looking at. So the the tree shoe has some of the cones. It's it's peculiar that we're, we're actually interested to look into because not every cone or even particular type of cone, the sum of the cones has this giant mitochondria and they have this very um, uh, uh, orderly uh, fashion, uh, Christy structure, right? And then, yes, um, uh, there are there has been a, a modeling study on that. Unfortunately, that paper is very incomplete. There's no information on the method and uh, quoted another uh, 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 submission, but never published. So uh, I cannot identify more information out of that. But there are some uh, consideration uh, along the line that you're talking about, particularly from those uh, 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 mysterious tree shrew giant uh, mitochondria. We we are interested in that, um, and John uh, it, it might be interested to further modeling. But uh, we don't have uh, 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 currently uh, the the structure at hand to, that 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 can do uh, modeling. But yeah, very interesting. <laughs> Just it looks as though oh. it would be light amplifying if you have a combination of a semi-rigid structure mm -hmm. and then a... Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's astounding work. Yeah, astounding yeah. Work. that's a very good point. Thanks, Chris. Just to follow on to that, in the, um, in the computational modeling, um, you know, the, the finite difference time domain is quite, a, quite suited to metamaterials. Mm -hmm. uh, it depends on... Mm -hmm how you're modeling the dielectric properties. You said you did measure the index of refractions. Do you happen to recall what they were? We did not measure. We uh, used the, the most commonly uh, described uh, uh, value. I don't recall top of my head the exact, I think it's perhaps at the range of a 1.4-ish, 1.37, 1.39. Yeah. And, and and in fact, okay. the, the the difference between the um, cytosol and um, uh, mitochondria is not huge. It's, it's just point oh something, right? But as you probably well know, that the, the small refractive index has can have a very uh, significant optical effect. Well, and in particularly if there's you know conductivity around, I've, I've you know played I played around with the um, the finite difference method. Mm -hmm. And it is, um, it, it, it's, it's amazing to just watch the, um, you know, the way that technique will, will, you know, propagate waves. It's solving full Maxwell's mm -hmm. uh, in the time domain. And when you go through a complex material with differing dielectrics, right. uh, you, right. get, you get all kinds yes. of complexity yes. and you just get to watch that. Right. So it would be, um, yeah, it would be fascinating if uh, experimental measures of the properties could inform right. that those the modeling experience right more. I, I think in the supplementary material john did put in some result with different uh, refractive index that he modeled um and and he was thinking about to to uh, experimentally measure the uh, uh refractive index uh, to be more precise but yeah great point thanks yeah if he comes out with a negative index of refraction you gotta manage <laughs> <laughs> thanks Who would like to go next, Special Mike? Well, that was great discussion. 
No, I, I, if nobody, I wanted to give everyone a chance first. But um, I have a question. Yeah. We had a guest speaker. I don't know if you know him, Dr. Glenn Jeffrey from the UK uh, a while ago. Uh -huh. He um, he did a study uh, and published a week long um, uh, single like a week long study where they did single exposures every day of I think two around two minutes of 670 nanometers. Um, they showed that it enhanced mitochondrial function in eyes, in aging eyes. And um, ah. it's a very, I don't know if you know the study, so. Um, I vaguely remember, is that the long wavelengths, the red light stimulation? Yes, yeah. it's the red light, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I vaguely and, heard of that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was here and uh, it was a very interesting talk he gave and yeah. um, so he said that it has to be in the morning and they don't know yet why mm -hmm. apparently mitochondria throughout the day do different things so in the morning it's the best to like increase their and they atp production they don't know what the mitochondria do in the afternoon but it didn't work if um if they exposed people and also animals right to um, this red light in the afternoon. And the interesting thing is now they are doing also a bee project in Europe because they found out that the bee's uh, immune system was way healthier so they could fight off this common fungi and, and viruses that are currently killing all the bees. Hmm. So they are having red lights installed in farms uh, in France they started. <clears throat> so. I think that is so interesting. Yeah. And do you have, like, do you have anything in your data that could explain why? <laughs> uh, uh, not, not exactly. But yeah, you, you, the study that you mentioned, I, I, uh, I remember, uh, but the, the don't uh, know the exact detail. But yeah, so I remember that long, long wavelength stimulation is beneficial. Um, the function of that is not quite clear. And I think people has been even designing a, a kind of a light emitting contact lens to to deliver the long wavelength light. Um, um, you know, being effective in the morning, not in the afternoon, perhaps has to do with the circadian rhythm. That's very interesting. Usually the circadian rhythm um, more involved in the shorter wavelengths regime. Um, but maybe a uh, longer one has an antagonistic uh, effect. I, I don't know, but that's interesting. Now, in our study, we did very little, but a little bit of the uh, 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 um, wavelength uh, dependence of uh, this focusing. And, and, and John can see a, a slight um, uh, wavelength dependence uh, of focusing change. Uh, so um, that, that indicates that different wavelengths could have a different optical feature, uh, but this uh, mitochondrial role of longer wavelengths um, is interesting. And I cannot think of a particular theory, but it's also likely that, you know, it could change, it could slightly change the... Uh, temperature maybe but on the other hand the short wavelengths should give you more uh, uh effect um yeah i have 
to uh, admit that I don't have an answer for that. Um, uh, maybe we could isolate the mitochondria, look at the spectrum, uh, you know, absorption, and there's any uh, protein or molecules absorbed along the wavelengths, particularly, or, or any uh, protein in the uh, maybe uh, electron chain transfer or something. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm completely uh, speculating now. <laughs> that, but yeah, that's yeah, an interesting uh, paper. Yeah, he even showed, but that was not in the paper, but he tried different wavelengths mm. out. And the short ones were actually for um, to increase the health um, uh, was actually bad. So you ideally you just have the red light mm -hmm. for like a couple of minutes yeah. in the morning, mm -hmm. only in the morning. Interesting. <laughs> and then it, it helps like the blue light actually does um, either um, like if it's mixed, it kind of um, turns down the effect mm -hmm. of the red mm -hmm. light and just blue light is actually worse. So in, interesting. in the morning, not for about the afternoon, but yeah, yeah it's very yeah, interesting. But, but I would say uh, do, do not block the blue light in the morning yet, because that's very important signal for your circadian rhythm. <laughs> and if you talk to uh, scientists like uh, uh, Samir Hattar, who's a colleague in, 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 at NIH, uh, he, he would uh, strongly advocate um, uh, uh, earlier morning exposure to uh, uh, perhaps, uh, to be fair, bright light, broad spectrum. But uh, uh, what's what's the effective component? Probably is the shorter wavelengths one that's stimulating the uh, 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 the circadian system um, from the retina to the suprachiasmic nuclei or, or, or biological clocks center master clock so yeah so i i i i guess different uh, uh spectrum component light it may have different function uh we, we we might not want to um block them uh, uh at the particular uh time and and perhaps that's why the the, the exposure to the to the um sunlight uh, being broad spectrum is a good thing I had a, I had a question. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, thank you very much for your talk. It was really fascinating. And I think I many years ago heard about some of the uh, kind of other research in the uh, nuclei mm -hmm. uh, uh, focusing of light, and uh, so yeah, the mitochondria and the kind of these you know uh, rod shaped organizations are really uh, well mm -hmm. uh, rod shaped of the mitochondria <laughs> <laughs> um, focusing was really yeah really fascinating. Um, so you mentioned a little bit about these other types of functions of cells that either potentially act as waveguides or other focusing systems like the nuclei mm -hmm. where chromatin has been reorganized into a kind of dense yep. state in the center of the nuclei. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I don't want to uh, push you into your uh, uh, into bounds of evolutionary <laughs> biology too much, um, but but I, I'm curious uh, to what degree um, uh, do you see the idea of utilizing mitochondria, say, versus a nuclei as a as a as a as a focus point, and what physical properties do you get? Uh, or say another example, I guess the you're talking about these kind of mega um, mitochondria. Um, how uh, 
how does that help in terms of focusing light, uh, uh, having either bundles or say a single entity? Yeah. So, um, uh, I guess perhaps what, what I can speculate is different, um, uh, from, uh, uh, put on my fake evolutionary biologist hat. <laughs> so, um, the uh, different animals apparently, uh, obviously need to adapt to their different niche. For those really pure nocturnal, for instance, the mouse, and they uh, pro the, the pressure is to really uh, uh, build up their their uh, maximize their capability of detecting uh, uh, photons at, at night, right? So, and then the, their 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 uh, rod nuclei uh, play a more significant role. Um, and then the, their shape is such, and they have very long outer segments, right? So they are much more discus to sort of a catching those photons. And if you're passing one without being got caught, and you 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 encounter the next. So I think this uh, the whole rod system perhaps has evolved to be most suited for uh, that kind of uh, uh, maximizing a, a, a single photon capture. A type of a, a very sparse photon capture type of a task, whereas whereas for cone system for a diurnal animal or for us, um, in, in which we have the fovea that that that's uh, almost all cone, that it give us a very uh, high um, resolution vision. And uh, in in those case that we uh, we use the the, uh, the mitochondria uh, uh, mechanism to be more significant or important. Um, even in a fovea region, I would say that the very central part, the cone shape, is different from the slightly outside of uh, foveola, the center of fovea, um, that uh, reflecting their slightly different functional roles. So um, I, I think these are perhaps the work of evolution that uh, every bits and pieces are are pushed towards the do the function of the best for the particular niche or, or conditions. I hope that's that answer your question somewhat. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you very much. Thanks. Great talk. Hello again. Um, I wanted to ask about the crystal structure within the mitochondria. Could you describe that in more detail? Are they just crystal rich or what does that mean? Uh, these are like the enfolding of the inner membrane of the mitochondria, right? So if you if you uh, go, uh, look at a picture of a, a textbook mitochondria, you will have a, a, a you know um, oval shape and with the enfolding of uh, inner membrane, and, uh, and that's the the structure. Um, and in a photoreceptor, they are not particularly different, except for the one that I mentioned, the, the giant mitochondria in tree show, they, they appear to be a, a very um, uh, almost crystal-like structured uh, zigzag of uh, membrane enfolding, um, you know, rows of those that parallel to each other. So um, we don't see that in our uh, system. And uh, John, when he was doing modeling, he tried a different structure. He had the crystal structure in the modeling and without it, just a uniform higher reflective index. Um, he didn't see a very significant difference. So um, uh, 
Therefore, we do not think that this particular arrangement of uh, Christie structure within the mitochondria is critically important for this particular function. So that's that's all I can uh, I can comment on that. But you know what oh. that giant mitochondria Christie structure could be used for or interest. That's an interesting question that we we don't know. Uh, thank you for. Uh... A wonderful answer, actually. You know, I have another question down those lines. Yeah. Maybe I'll follow up yeah. with you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Uh, I sh I actually, I have an, uh, a question yeah. uh, I would like to ask you. Um, uh, so my question is, um, is there, is there, any other method, you know, uh, besides live imaging, that could be used to study the, you know, uh, that could be used for this study, and then also, uh, uh, would be, would it be relevant to talk about, you know, the the error rate, you know, like because the uh, because the uh, mitochondria it functions like a uh, photoreceptor, right, and and uh, is there is there something like a, a oh, error, error rate, you know, where uh, where you know it doesn't work correctly sometimes, but it works correctly most of the time? Uh, is there something like that uh, here? Um, Thank you. So the first question about what other experiments? Um, I think what we have been doing perhaps is the most direct so basically you uh, you pretty much has the uh, microscope uh, objective uh, from the other end and, and observe what coming out i don't i can't think of you know uh, apart from that and modeling i don't can't think of any other way to study that particular question um regarding your uh question about um what is it, the second part again? Sorry. Uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the error oh, rate, the error you know, rate. like... Well, uh, yeah, so they, they, yeah. they themselves do not, oh, well, they, they probably absorb some to uh, like uh, mitochondria protein, but they don't, they're not the function as the uh, uh, photon receptor or absorb photon and turn them into uh, a, a chemical signal or electrical signal. That That's not what they do. Um, and, and we're just saying they their function to deliver the photon to the outer segment. That's where the photon will be captured by um, molecules that's light sensitive and then turn into uh, a, a electrical signal. Uh, and there, perhaps the the issue of uh, variability or noise or, um, or is more relevant here. Uh, I think for the mitochondria per se, they're they're mostly just a uh, in my in our view, it's just a, a like a physical lens um, and, and deliver. Now, whether they among different photoreceptors, they have a slightly different uh, you know uh, refractive power or efficacy of delivery. That's uh, certainly possible. And we haven't explored that by by the first approximation. When you look at it, the the bundles next to each other look quite at least 
qualitatively very similar. Uh, and, and perhaps for a, uh, for a uh, relatively uh, less variant uh, uh, photon delivery. So that, that, that will be my answer, the, uh, that we did not measure precisely their um, difference in terms of their function. That's so cool. I have so many questions. I'll keep it low to just one one question. Um, when you have the uh, uh, these mitochondria that normally act as like power centers for the cell, but now they now they're acting as uh, uh, you know affecting the optics. Mm -hmm. One of the questions I have is they have a separate. My understanding, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, they have a separate genetic legacy. Does this have something that might influence, like say, rare eye diseases or some such, where this is one factor that might influence that if the mitochondria is affecting the optical qualities? Well, uh, yeah. Well, I I don't think they have, uh, you know, at least for photoreceptor mitochondria, I don't think they they have particular, say, a, a, a gene or or protein that is unique to to uh, them. Uh, I think the optical feature is is just uh, a, a pure. Uh, physical outcome that the fact that they have very rich uh, membrane and which has contains a lot of uh, high lipid content. So uh, in, in a sense that you don't need to evolve a particular uh, gene or protein or product to, to make it a function as an optical uh, lens. So uh, you, you, could, you could take, a, if anything, the, the shape, the, the, the kind of a organization special spatially and that's something that uh, uh, perhaps th th that involves some uh, um, gene regulation but the structure itself it, it, it doesn't require a special uh, photoreceptor mitochondria gene so to speak thanks cool uh, Tuan, i think you you were next no, no, I uh, I finished. Yeah. Thanks, Ron. You got a lot of good questions. Thank you. Yeah. I had a follow-up question for what about different species? I I saw a mention of squirrels in in here with things. Is this something that property you would expect to find another, uh, another vertebrates, or is this something that might be more isolated to certain classes of mammals or some such, like maybe fish or some such like that? Would they do you think would expect similar patterns, or what would be a way of screening for this? Do we have to throw them on the blender and find out afterwards, or <laughs> what, 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 how do we find? Well, so far, the, most of the vertebrate rats, and uh, if you look at the photoreceptor, they they particular cones, they often have uh, you know a, a, a high concentration of mitochondria in that in that region. You know, there's a recent study from um, Tom Baden's lab in, in, in UK, and in the, the, he does fascinating work in zebrafish and look at some of the behavior and identify a particular area of the retina that they call the strike zone. And, and then in there, the photoreceptor, the mitochondria bundle is particularly big. So he um, also speculated that uh, kind of a, a, a beef up their, their, their uh, uh, function. So um, I would say most of vertebrate retina, the chrome photoreceptor, the mitochondria in the inner segment before outer segment is a fairly common feature. They do come with different shape and form as, as I mentioned and we discussed, uh, but in general, they all have those. And I'll say that uh, what we see in the ground squirrel cone is extremely similar to the uh, uh, human and primate, particularly in the periphobia region where the cone become a little fatter. 
That's so cool. Uh, I want to hug the mic, but I have one last question. Yeah. Is the uh, there's um, a lot of breakthroughs happening with organoids and being able to grow mm-hmm. synthetic uh, clusters of, of, of cells on a yep. chip. Um, I, I don't know exactly how far the pluripotency goes with the optical mm-hmm. uh, or the the eye the eye ones, but I'm kind of curious yeah. how that might be able to affect some of the experimental apparatuses you might be able to build for testing for this sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, that's that's a good question. So. Uh, we, our lab, in, in fact, uh, does a little bit of organoid work um, because a couple of years ago, we um, derived IPS cell from this particular species. Uh, not for this uh, optical per, per study purpose, but uh, as I mentioned, I study hibernation. We're interested in that. So we, we um, derived the, uh, IPS cell from ground squirrel. And just out of curiosity, as I mentioned, they are very unique in that they they are they have a cone rich retina, right? Uh, mouse uh, is mouse uh, or mostly ro- not as many yes. rods. So we um, successfully um, uh, acquired uh, organoids, retina organoids from IPS cell, and indeed they are cone rich. They're still mostly cones, so that's good. Apparently, genetically uh, encoded. Um, now the organoid. Uh, uh, it give you fairly good looking cones. However, so far, all the organelles still lacking uh, a very good uh, outer segment. So usually it's pretty just wimpy uh, a blob rather than nicely uh, layered disks. And, and that perhaps to do with that, uh, the RPE is not very well developed in those organoids. Um, there's like a missing substrate or yeah. something. You need to, it's like a multi-stage right. procedure. It's not just right. a one-time go thing. And the, the outer segment RPE interaction uh, clearly is important for that. In fact, I, I wrote a recent preview for cell stem cell on that subject. Um, but uh, to your question, yeah, we were thinking about uh, organoids, but I, I don't think we can come up with a, a layered structure that's so neat that allow us to to precisely do measurements. So um, organoids um, is very good, particularly for early developmental steps, uh, but not mature enough to 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 um, for the later stage uh, development yet. Blender, it is. Then. <laughs> It'll come. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. You you showed that, um, or you mentioned in the paper that um, the size of mitochondria, for example, in zebrafish are are they are quite big, right? Um, is it? Did you ever look at? I think that it's so interesting that octopus, for example, that their eyes are quite surprisingly similar mm-hmm. to our eyes. Did you ever look at octopus retina and? <laughs> And um, <laughs> and how the mitochondria and the and the cones are there. Right, you you know, uh, it's funny that uh, at the th- certain point along the project, I I, I was uh, telling John that hey, maybe we should take a look at the octopus, because that 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 that's a, a different orientation, and maybe it could uh, accentuate our points. But <laughs> in the end, we didn't do that. But a very good point that you know, uh, from. Uh, comparative uh, a biology point of view, looking at difference. Uh, again, going back to what I said, how they could, you know, mostly just to, to fit their niche and their specific uh, function and in, 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 in environment. Um, uh, regarding zebrafish, uh, 
they are relatively big compared to the neighboring photoreceptors, the cone photoreceptors, in that, in that striking zoom that, that what they use for catching uh, uh, prey, those cones has relatively larger uh, mitochondria. So, and the, the size of the mitochondria is only relevant for, um, for, for the light lens um, effect or also, you know, also metabolism, like, is that, is that the only? I see. So you, 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 you're, yeah. you're um, asking about the size of individual mitochondria or the size of the bundle. Um, uh, if it's the bundle, I think it's mostly uh, restricted by the uh, uh, photoreceptor size and shape, and and perhaps the mitochondria just to fit in. Now, if if it is uh, a question, you know, what the size of the uh, individual ones within the bundle, uh, being small ones and bundled together, or fused being single one, that. That is a very interesting question. I, I don't think people have a very um, a clear answer of, you know, for those dynamics, fission and fusion, how, how does that impact function yet? Uh, so yeah, there, there must be some difference that, I, that, I, that I'm not aware of biologically, function-wise. Yeah, interesting. Um, thank you so much. I read also a paper, but you know, I forgot um, a little, the details about it, that um, a paper that showed that mitochondria kind of uh, communicate with each other and arrange themselves in patterns. Also, not just, you know, you show um, this type mm -hmm. of change in arrangement in the cones, but also in other cell types, but now I forgot yeah. in which. So the common, so, so did you, do you also like is your hypothesis also that they somehow communicate with each other and um, did you or somebody looking into how exactly that is that is working like what are the mechanisms right yeah that's again a very interesting question right so they they, they have this very um neat uh, uh spatial arrangement but then they fall apart in the hibernating condition right so clearly the speculation was that, that that's kind of an energy consuming process when they are not using the visual system during hibernation, they just relax that. Um, I would guess perhaps the cytoskeleton structure is more involved, uh, um, microtubule and things uh, of that sort might be organizing their, their uh, arrangements spatially. Uh, we haven't looked very carefully uh, into that. Um, Communication, yeah, that um, that we uh, that we haven't uh, uh, um, uh, observed or experimental that um, uh, other body of other parts of cells uh, may have arrangement or communication. I can only think of the cardiac muscle. They have mitochondria uh, uh, has a very um, uh, well organized network. Uh, perhaps reflecting the um, the, the uh, highly uh, energy need for the cardiac muscle to function, and they they tends to be connected to each other. Yeah, so that that's uh, that's an interesting uh, phenomenon. And here, uh, some of our mitochondria, when they are bundled together, they are connected, but not all of them. 
and, and, and it does change the during hibernation that they become more individualized during hibernation, break off network, if you will. But that's not a very significant um, uh, phenomenon. And uh, is there a change maybe in membrane potential? Um, uh, I know that yeah. cancer research right. looks into membrane. Right. Yeah. Um, we were at some point interested in the membrane potential because we, we used the dye that, uh, to, to, to visualize mitochondria as TMRE, which is a, a, a very positively charged molecule that attached to the very negatively uh, charged membrane of mitochondria. And we, we uh, uh, this is uh, still uh, ongoing and far from reach any conclusion that uh, there could be some uh, uh, certainly mitochondrial membrane potential change. Um, uh, from my other part of interest, though, when we study hibernation, in that uh, when when cells are treated with cold temperature, it, it usually evoke a, a very significant mitochondrial membrane potential change, uh, and, and, and those are attenuated in the, those hibernating animals, they, they have a way to deal with it. So that's, that's another, another part of the story, just to say that uh, it's likely that there could be a member potential change. The, in, in this study, we didn't look. We used that purely as an uh, indicator of the location and structure. So do you know the mechanism? So what when the animals uh, come out of hibernation how long it takes for the mitochondria to rearrange or is it just you know calcium um change uh, due to i guess positive ions right, you know right. so is it like yeah. quite fast yeah i think it's relatively fast there's another study by uh, joe carroll's group from wisconsin and uh, uh um Ben Sezik uh, is the first author, and they look at the recovery of mitochondrial structure. Uh, and I forgot the exactly time point, time course uh, on top of my head, but it's not a, a, a super super long process. I'll say, you know, a day or two, they're they're fairly well recovered. And uh, yeah, I think it's a, 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 a perhaps even faster than that. I I, I just forgot. Yeah, interesting. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to get more updates about what well, <laughs> yeah, and how they communicate. That is how I guess calcium comes in, they start their metabolism more, but then something must happen for them to organize. Like, is that something from the cell that tells them to, or is it? Is do they have any uh, specific mitochondria properties that distinguish them from other? It probably not, right? But I don't know. Yeah, not not. Uh, um, uh, yeah, there there are labs study metabolism, but yeah, the, the unique feature of uh, photoreceptor mitochondria hasn't been. Uh, identified or, or reported, as far as I know, um, except that they, 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 there are a lot of them, and and then reflecting the uh, high uh, energy need. 
uh, photoreceptor does has been reported to be uh, different in their uh, metabolic ecosystem uh, in, in a sense um, also in the past when someone mentioned the cancer uh, a while back that um, when when studied people study the Warburg effect and, and the first thing they look at is actually retina and uh, and there are also some um, interesting comments saying that retina is like a piece of uh, cancer in the back of your eye. So speaking to its <laughs> unique metabolic profile, but yeah, they are quite uh, uh, unique in their metabolism, but uh, how much is uh, reflecting the special mitochondrial function? It's, it's not very clear yet. Um, the many labs are interested in that. So most likely the clone cells tell them gather together and do your job. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to find a mutation that they, they don't accumulate. That will be, you know, fascinating. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. Probably yeah. something with cell structure yeah. or gags, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, thank you so much for coming. You've been talking for an hour and 40 minutes so i want to give you a chance to rest <laughs> well thank you very much for the invitation it's a lot of fun and a lot of interesting uh, discussions thank you yeah. thanks to you and thank you yeah fascinating yeah please come back anytime with sure. updates or whatever you want to share yeah. some of Absolutely. information of your project yeah. or participate in conversations yeah. here I, I with think other i will i will people. join more often it's a very lively discussion. Fun. Yeah, Thank you. Thanks. I'll bye, everyone. Yeah, bye. Thank bye. you for coming. It was a great pleasure, great honor to have Thank you. you. Thank you. Uh, is, it, is it true you have uh, something about anchovy uh, coming up? Yes, uh, it is. Um, oh, oh, it's anchovy. one. I like about, anchovy. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have a very exciting uh, speaker coming. He invented a new theory of entropy to solve some mm. uh, material structure difficulties. Oh. So he is coming on Thursday. Lovely. Cool. Um, let me, okay, so let me make announcements. Thank you, Tuan, for reminding me. I'm not a very good social <laughs> media professional <laughs> so on monday we have a team so team coming dr habachi and dr george i hope i'm saying their names right how spiders fly it's a really interesting study um, that um, it combines some physics and and biochemistry so mm. uh yeah come and cool. uh, it's a, it's on monday at 9 p.m all right then dr Singh Gupta from Yale, how neurons find their place. It's also really a developmental, interesting study. Then Dr. Zdok and his, um, his postdoc, they're coming. They did the biggest psychedelic study that has been done ever, TRIPS and neurotransmitters. Uh, so uh, they did a very extensive study about um, uh, psychedelics. And then, yes, on Thursday, Dr. Liu, a new theory of entropy solving material design. It's a very mm. important study for new small, um, yeah, small technology. And then on Friday, we have 
an author coming who wrote a really great article about uh, time crystals and how Google makes them. And he will be talking about this article and the expertise he gained about time crystals. So yeah, that's next week. Another exciting week. And thank you so much, um, Dr. Wei Thank Lee. you. And thank you everyone for the great questions. Yeah. And uh, it was a great pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Have a good night. Thank Bye. You. Bye everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.